I'm excited about this episode of Podfulness because we have our first international guest coming on the show. I'll speak more to this guest in a little bit, but I just want you to know that we are going to be traveling across the pond. We are going to speak to someone in the UK. And when I think of the UK, there are a lot of things that come to mind, but one, of course, is the weather. People claim that it's always raining over there. And so I got to thinking about rain just in itself and how great that sound is of rain when you hear it hitting the pavement or during storms. I actually like hearing it hitting the window as it comes in at an angle. But my favorite sound in the world is when I'm driving down the highway and the rain is pouring down and you can't listen to the radio because the pounding water drowns everything out. The sound surrounds you. Then as you approach an underpass, you know the best part is about to happen. That sound when you drive in the rain, then the rain stops cold because of the bridge above you, and then it starts back up again. So let's experience this together without me talking. From too much noise to no noise at all, back to too much noise. It's so cool, right? I know when I think back to that 22nd year of life, I was just out of college. I was teaching in a vocational school. I was trying to get a job in television. I was living at home. I was waiting tables. I was trying to figure it all out. And then you have someone like Kennedy Miller, who is our guest today. And she is so bright and so with it and knows how she feels about the world and is optimistic And I just wish I could have been more like her when I was 22 years old. Plus, she's living in London. How cool is that? So enjoy the next 25 minutes with Kennedy Miller. I know I did. And so I think we're ready to meet her. Let's get to it. Kennedy, you are my first international guest. (laughs) Excellent. That's so cool. So where are we talking uh, to you right now? I am in my very small, but very cute and wholesome London flat in a quaint Northwest London neighborhood. And it's a beautiful day here, shockingly. I love it. Oh, so you don't have a lot of pretty days? No, it's overcast. It's dreadful. It really is. I think it rained for the past eight days consecutively with no sun. And today is like a nice 50 degrees with no rain. So I will definitely be taking a walk today. Perfect. Well, let's answer the burning question that everyone has. Flat versus apartment. If you were (laughs) to call your place an apartment, would you be scorned? I would be made fun of incessantly by my British peers. Right. (laughs) They already make fun of me enough. So, you know, we, I'm trying to minimize it. Obviously you're in England, so you have a lot of British peers, but how many Americans do you hang out with also on a regular basis? So I'm here with a cohort of American scholars because I'm here with the Marshall Scholarship. So I have this group of amazing American friends who I hang out with pretty often. We're doing a PowerPoint night tonight, which is hilarious. And we do pub (laughs) quizzes every Wednesday. So I see them. And then at school, that's like pretty much almost exclusively 
British and European peers. Um, so it's nice to have a dichotomous community circle here. It's, it's great. And I'm assuming they make fun of your accent and vice versa, like Absolutely. all a good fun. Yes, for sure. They, that is their love language. The Brits is just making fun of you at all times and for all things. And I've learned how to dish it back, which has been really exciting. So. Yeah. So it's never personal, is it? It really is fun loving. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you are in the Royal Academy of Music. Yes. That's kind of a big deal, Kennedy. How did all this happen? Thank you. Um, to be honest, I still wake up and I'm convinced that it's not real. It's so surreal that I'm here and studying this and doing everything that I dreamed of as a child that I would be doing. Um, but yes, I'm studying opera at the Royal Academy of Music. It's called vocal studies, technically my degree, but I submitted my audition videos from the States last year and got in and then got the Marshall Scholarship to cover the funding and to give me some extra fun opportunities. And it's happening. I absolutely love it here. It's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. It's wow. And it's winding down, right? Is Does it end next year? It does. It's just a, it's a two-year program. But that is fantastic. Are you going to come home in the summer? Probably not. So with the scholarship I'm on, I'm only allotted 30 days total outside of the UK for the entire two years. So I have to be very wow. careful with how I allot those days. And so obviously coming home is important, but I want to travel elsewhere in Europe since I'm proximate for the first time. So yeah. to go to Italy and France and Germany and, you know. And so those count against your 30 days, even if you take a little overnight trip somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So. Okay. And you attended undergrad at UNC Chapel Hill, right? Yes. Go Heels. Go Heels. And I assume you studied music there. I did. I was a double major in music and English. So also a very passionate reader and writer as well. Excellent. And so what, when you get a master's in music, what does that entail? Because it's not just singing lessons and music theory, right? Right. Yeah. So what's I mean involved? It's singing all the time. So I have my two lessons a week and then I have song classes. Um, I'm in French song right now and English song. Last term I was in um, oratorio and German. And then I take Italian song all year long, Italian language all year long, drama classes on Fridays, wow. movement classes on Thursdays, which is like we did Irish dancing last week, but then the week before we learned the most effective ways to fall on stage because as an opera singer, we do a lot of fake dying. Okay. So learning how to do that in a safe way is important. So yeah, everything's really tailored and specified to the singing experience and the classical singing experience, which is- It sounds like it's camp for really smart, talented kids. Yeah. <laughs> Does it Honestly, feel like camp? It kind of does, to be honest. Really, it's it feels like music camp with people who are just as passionate about the thing you're passionate about as you are and who love it as much as you do. And it's just fantastic. So what career do you think is waiting for you? Like, what are your hopes for oh, the next five, 10 years? Question of the hour, Mark. It really yeah. is. Um, I mean, obviously, a career in performance would be the dream come true. And I will probably do the starving artist thing for a little while because I think I would regret it if I didn't. So mm -hmm. whether that's in Europe, whether that's in the UK, whether that's at home, I will probably pursue that and live a life of incessant auditioning for a while. Um, I will at some point get my doctorate, I think, in music because academia is really important to me and right. writing about music specifically 
the intersection of feminism and opera is work that I'm really passionate about. So we'll probably write some sort of dissertation on that, maybe land in a professorship one day. Who knows what's wow. waiting. But yeah, there's little plans I have. And all I know is that I'm in London for the next year and a half. And I just hope the time doesn't fly too fast. So how did you know? Because there are plenty of people out there that, especially in today's day and age, that think they can be the next great pop singer, right? And they have very, very supportive parents, but maybe the parents are a little biased, right? And don't really hear their daughter or son's voice for what it is. How did you know that you were good enough to make a career out of it? Yeah, I wasn't sure really until I started competing as a high schooler. Um, and then in college started competing too and was getting that validation, competing against other singers and hearing from other voice teachers. Because um, to be honest, I, I didn't know. I was just... Yeah mom and dad said I was good and people mm -hmm. at church enjoyed hearing me sing and that's and I enjoyed it and that's all I knew um so that external validation was helpful but then at the same time it gets really addicting to get that external validation so a lot of sure. my personal work right now is trying to find that line between acknowledging that the validation and the opinions of other people in this industry is important but yeah. at the same time it's not my worth and it's not my value and I have to be really confident in my own talents and in my own joy and singing and that that can carry me through all of the many many no's that we get in this industry but it's it's tough because it's it's so addicting the yeah. speeches and the applause and the validation um but at the same time just acknowledging how much how in love I am with the art form in and of itself should be enough to carry me through so it's this balanced nuanced thing I suppose Kennedy how old are you 22. You've got your head on straight, Kennedy. <laughs> it's so great talking to you. So how do you, when you're performing, how do you keep from losing it emotionally when you're getting ready to hit an emotional note and you just happen to see your mom or your dad or family member watching you sing out there and they're tearing up? How do you keep, keep it under control? Well, I'm very grateful to have been raised kind of in a musical theater background. So a lot of my peers at the academy like really need the drama classes because they were raised in choirs and in singing and they know how to sing, but they're still learning how to get the drama part of it. And I was the opposite. I came into music school knowing how to act my little heart out, but still kind of getting the vocal technique of the classical style under me. Um, so I'm very confident in my ability to inhabit a character on stage. And I know, I know never to look down at the audience because nice. I still want to see mom and dad crying because if they cry, I cry. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful for the acting drama background because I think that's kind of given me some confidence to go on a stage and know that I can confidently give a communicative and good performance. Sure. So opera isn't your only interest. And I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of pop singers. So who in your mind is a great pop singer has just has got the chops and the performance and everything about him or her is just amazing. Well, I'm a Swifty till the day I die, but I feel like that's like such a common answer. So Taylor Swift is like my ride or die girl. Oh, she's got the whole package. Of course. Love her. She's the whole package. And I'm it can really be a former singer too. Yes. Okay. I love Joni Mitchell. I love Joni Mitchell. Her songwriting is absolutely unreal. I think she was the most innovative songwriter and instrumentalist of her time. And wow. I revisit her albums all the time, all the time. And she inspires me as a songwriter and as a performer and the way that she's able to access her emotions so deeply and translate them into music. It's just unreal. I don't think anyone's ever done it like her. So excellent answer. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now that you're over there in England, what are you missing about the United States or do you miss anything? 
Oh, I do. I miss being able to see the stars at nighttime. Oh, okay. Lots. Um, our front yard back home in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, you can just, there's no light pollution and you can point out the constellations. And in London, I, I don't think I've seen the stars here one time and that's sad. And yeah, so I So there must that. be kids that live there that have never seen stars. Right, right. So right. what is your ideal day? what would it be in the UK? Cause we're recording this on a Sunday. Like what would be your perfect Sunday in London? Mm, okay. So right across the street from my flat is this chain bakery called Gales and they have great pastries and baked goods. So I would go to Gales and probably get an almond croissant and an oat latte. Mm -hmm. and then I would stroll around the park right where I live and then come back and do some work with this nice little view outside my window and hope it doesn't rain and then probably take the tube to a friend's flat and watch some tv or play some cards or do something and then maybe talk about philosophy or something in in a stairwell i don't know oh what a nerd i love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i love how you didn't mention anything about being on your phone or oh, being on you. social media i love it so now, how political are you? I ask because the podcast that we're going to talk about is political based. I am very political and very passionate about politics and specifically the ways in which I can use my music and performance as a vessel for political activism. So really into it. Excellent. Well, we are going to talk about your favorite pantsuit politics. Yes. Yes. After this short break. Podfulness. Men, are your hands clean? Notice I didn't ask if your hands are dirty. If they're dirty, it's visible, so you wash them. But are your hands clean? Let me answer that for you. The answer is no. Your hands are covered with germs. Some germs are harmless. Some transfer illness, like a cold or flu. And some germs spread cooties. Hashtag true fact. Yet even with this knowledge, some men don't know how to combat germs. Men, I've got some good news. There's now something called soap. And it's not just for women, it's for men too. The next time you're in a public men's room and you've finished your business, try soap. Don't just casually walk past the sink and rub your index finger and thumb together for two seconds under a stream of water. That does nothing, but at least you're making an effort. Sort of. Instead, use soap. Don't be bashful, really lather up those hands. And after you've done that for a while, wash off the soap. Not only will you feel better, but the next person who shakes your hand, they'll feel better too. Soap, it's available anywhere you wash your hands. And now, back to the show. Pantsuit Politics. Kennedy, how would you describe this podcast? Pantsuit Politics is co-hosted by two ex-lawyers from Kentucky. Their names are Sarah and Beth. They are lovely Southern women, and they have a lot of knowledge about law and legislation and politics and are really, really smart and good at explaining things in a great way. So they talk about current events every week. So they just talked about, you know, everything with Nikki Haley running Mm -hmm. for president that was a recent episode um 
six years ago when I first discovered the podcast, their slogan was, this is Beth from the right and Sarah from the left. And we're basically here to mirror how to have a political argument without hating each other. And they did it very well. And they disagreed vehemently about things, but they always came back together and found the things that they agreed upon. And that was that. Um, During the Trump presidency, Beth changed her party affiliation. So the slogan went away. But Mm -hmm. even still, Beth is more of a Joe Biden Democrat and Sarah is more of a Bernie Sanders Democrat. So they're still very fundamentally different political leanings and they have a lot of disagreements, but they mirror how to talk about them and disagree about them in a graceful, nuanced way. And it's just great and very relevant to our modern times when people struggle to do that and to talk about politics with people they disagree with in a grace-filled way. Sure. So two former lawyers or are they still practicing? Former. former lawyers. Two former lawyers. And they're from Kentucky. And they knew each other before the show started or how did they meet? I believe they met either in undergrad in D.C. or in law school in D.C., but I know they met at some educational place in D.C. Okay, and the shows are always topical. It's taken from today's news. How often do the shows drop? Tuesdays and Fridays, so twice Tuesdays and Fridays, so how long are the episodes usually? Like an hour-ish, give or take 15 minutes. Okay, so it's probably not just the two of them talking back and forth. Do they bring guests on the show as well? They bring guests maybe once every two weeks, and it's usually some sort of, you know, Congress member or someone who's written a book. They recently had someone who's an expert in political memoir come on and talk about this new craze of all of these politicians writing their own memoirs. Because have you noticed, like, every time you go in a bookstore, there's a new random memoir by some random politician? Like, that's just the craze right now. So they just had someone on to talk about why that is and why that's important, which was an interesting episode. And they operate out of Kentucky then? They do. And they actually live in opposite sides of the state. So they work remotely with each other and record the podcast. It's kind of like how we're doing now. Like on That's Zoom. exactly right. No, I'm actually in London, everyone, just to let you know. <laughs> Kennedy, we're getting a pastry. Yes, we're drinking. And a latte with almond milk. Right now. <laughs> um, so does it focus mostly on women's issues? No, no. Some some of it does. They had a lot to say about, you know, the abortion stuff um, with Roe v. Wade over the summer, but mm-hmm. it's really just about whatever is current now. So um, they talk a lot about gun violence and the Ukraine war. They talk about international issues as well. Um, just really whatever is current. They're really good at researching and getting the knowledge to talk about it in a reliable way that we can trust that it's good news and correct news. And they're just lovely, smart nuanced kind people so it's just lovely do they also dive into their own personal lives or is it really pretty focused on the topic of the day they have a segment at the end of every show where they Mm -hmm. talk they say what's on your mind outside politics today and i think that that is good too which i think also should mirror how we talk about politics as a society if you know it gets heated that's fine come to a conclusion of something that maybe you can agree on or leave the conversation at and then just be like okay what's on your mind outside of this conversation or outside of what we've just disagreed on and i think that's a good way to just bring the humanity back into the conversation so i like that they mirror that as well that's right we need to start seeing each other as human beings Heck, yes <laughs> maybe we'll treat each other a little kinder so how has the show helped you or changed you the show has given me two phrases that 
have honestly changed my personal life and philosophy and the ways in which I go about the world. The first one is keep it nuanced. They say it all the time. The idea of not looking at things or the world in shades of black and white, but only shades of gray and that everything is nuanced and on the spectrum. Um, and that is so true, like emotions and relationships and political issues, everything is nuanced. So that has been great. The other thing that they say at the end of almost every show is have the best day available to you. And I think hmm. that that is so beautiful because we're in this culture of, you know, shoot for the stars and have the best day and whatever. And they're like, you know what? Sometimes you're just not given the circumstances to have a great day or to shoot for the stars or to like follow your dreams to that certain extent on the day. And just given your circumstances or your life right now, have the best day available to you. And it just gives you some breathing room in this capitalistic world in which yeah. we're just encouraged to like go and work and never stop. And they're just like, slow down, look at your circumstances, look at the nuances of your life and have the best day available to you right now, which has really helped me as a singer as well, because some days I didn't get much sleep or life circumstances have happened or I'm stressed and my voice isn't great. And I have a performance that day and I just go, go into it and I say, I'm going to have the best performance available, available to me today. And it could change tomorrow based on how much sleep I've gotten or how much stress I'm under, but I'm just going to do the best with the circumstances I have now, which has just been honestly life-changing and liberating. And yeah, it sounds, it sounds like it's an empowering show to listen to, but in a realistic way yes, instead of. Great. You know, so if you were a guest on the show, what topic would you talk about? What is the topic that you're most passionate about that you want to be an activist for and see change? Yeah, I'm really passionate about the nuances of Southern womanhood. I'm very in love with the South and I am very proud to be a woman from the South, but I also acknowledge all of the problems in the South that especially mm -hmm. I feel like affect young women, um, like purity and modesty culture, which I think can be really, really damaging to the psyches of young women. Um, and I would love the chance to talk to Sarah and Beth about that, because again, it's a very nuanced topic that involves complex things like religion and gender roles and family life. But I think it's, it's important to talk about how these issues and how that type of culture can really affect the psyches of young women in a really damaging way and the ways in which we can empower young women to reclaim that power that may have been stripped from them as a child. So I'm really, really into that idea of how we can use Southern women to empower Southern women in a culture that sometimes isn't very empowering. No. Yeah. And you have very, yeah, and you have experience in that area. You mm. were, uh, forgive me. I know I'm going to butcher it. Like, wasn't it distinguished woman of yeah. the South? What was that? I was the distinguished young woman of North Carolina. In I love that. <laughs> and yeah. so you have kind of firsthand experience. So it's not a beauty pageant. It's not a right. talent pageant. What oh, was shit. that? And how did that shape you? Yeah, it was a scholarship program for young women, high school seniors specifically, and they basically judged us on our academics. So I had to submit my SAT scores, my ACT scores, my transcripts. Then we had a 10 minute interview, which was almost all political based, basically to see do you as a young woman woman have your own opinions or are you just regurgitating everything that your parents and your community have told you? Mm -hmm. um, then there was the talent portion, the fitness portion, which was a 10 minute fitness routine <laughs> where I did jumping jacks and planks and push-ups on stage. It was mortifying for everyone. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> this is true. And then um, a question and answer on stage called self-expression. And that was a really empowering program that not only paid for a lot of my college, which was amazing, but also gave me the tools to see myself as empowered and see that I, as a young woman, deserve to take up space in a world that sometimes says that young women should not take up space. But we can and we should take up space. Of course. Uh, we need more women like you, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, so one more thing about pantsuit politics that I noticed when I was doing a little research is that on their website, there's a woman named Maggie, and she's the community engagement manager. So I guess they have public events. They do. And have yeah. you ever been to any of these? Like, what are those like? No, I've never been. And I've always wanted to. They do. They go speak around the country and it's great. I don't know if they've ever come to North Carolina, but if I was ever proximate to an event they were doing, best bet, I would be there because you I would. love Sarah and Beth. I love them. Yes. I How would, would you stand there. out? Would you make a t-shirt? Would you oh, wear a funny hat? Would maybe I would. I don't know. I probably would would make a t-shirt or like a giant poster. Yeah. Well, I have a road trip coming up, so I'm going to uh, give them a listen to Sarah and Beth. <laughs> Please do. I'll let you know what I think. Okay. So that is pantsuit politics. Check it out wherever podcasts are streamed, right? They don't have any sort of special relationship with one provider, do they? No, they don't. Anywhere. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So now what I want to do, Kennedy, is since you are on the cusp of becoming a full-time adult, right? Yeah. You're in, you're, you're in college, well, grad school. So you're kind of in limbo still between childhood and adulthood, but yeah. obviously leaning more towards adulthood right now. Mm -hmm. um, soon you're going to be making challenging decisions on your own without the input of family and friends. So this game is going to determine whether you are ready for adulthood oh, or gosh. not. That's okay. right. <laughs> and it's called Choose One. Podfulness. Okay. I'm going to give you five scenarios and you have to decide which is the best road to take when faced with a decision. For example, okay. for example, if I were to say, oh, it's raining and I have to walk two blocks, which do I take along, a rake or an umbrella? And you would answer? An umbrella. No, a rake. Because if you get <laughs> mugged, which would you rather have to fend off someone? Okay. No, I would accept umbrella. Okay. So each correct answer is going to get you three points. Each okay. incorrect answer you lose two points and the okay. objective is to finish with at least nine points. And do you know what you're playing for today, Kennedy? The title of emerging adult. Yes. I was going to say womanhood because that's the only prize I can afford, but you're close. Oh, so I'll, you yeah. know what? You'll get three points just because you knew that answer. So you're already up three <laughs> points. Wow. All right. Okay. <laughs> Kennedy, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'm here ready. we go. Scenario number one, you just started a new job in a luxurious high rise downtown. As you head to the 40th floor, the elevator gets stuck between the 21st and the 22nd floor. This sounds like a math problem, but it's not, okay? The elevator won't budge, and you're trapped for the next 12 hours. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. It sounds like it could really happen. You are allowed to only have one of the following with you, a large pizza with any toppings of your choice or Wi-Fi service. Which do you choose and why? Oh, I would definitely choose Wi-Fi service. Would you? I would. I would because I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. I am very passionate about snacks and I would absolutely have a snack in my bag and I would ha have sustenance available to me. And if I had Wi-Fi, I could call people and tell them what was going on. So I, I would see. have the best of both worlds. Yes. Well, Kennedy, that's the wrong answer. The answer is pizza. 
because okay. <laughs> a girl's got to eat. I know you brought snacks, but you left your phone in the Uber on the way to work. Oh, so you couldn't even use Wi-Fi. Yeah. See, you didn't think about that. You're not prepared. No. <laughs> so that's negative two. You now have one point. Okay. 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 Here's scenario number two. You love your new job, except you have a shared office space with someone who brings leftovers every day for lunch. She's nice enough, but that smell, oh, that smell. It's reheated meatloaf. It's reheated garlic mashed potatoes. It's reheated fish. It's a lot. Jungle. So what do you do? Do you ask her nicely to eat in the break room because the smells are affecting your concentration? Or do you stare at her as she eats, never blinking or showing any sign of backing down until she eats every last bite and you make her feel so uncomfortable that she goes to the break room on her own without you asking? So which do you choose? So I just know myself too well to give the right answer. And I'm I'm just not confrontational. So I, I would just make annoyed eye contact. I really would. That's true. Kennedy. I, would, I, think, I don't think I could do it. Three points. That is exactly no, right. You stare her down. You intimidate. If I've learned one thing from watching Dwight on The Office, <laughs> it's always show dominance. Oh, okay. That's good. the shrewd way. All right. Four points for you. Nice work. Scenario number three, your best friend is getting married on Saturday and you're the maid of honor. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Late Friday afternoon, your boss says that she has a project for you and she needs you to work all day on Saturday. She feels bad because she knows the wedding is important to you, but it's work. So do you break your best friend's heart because work is work and you need this job? Or do you agree to come in but then you call in sick on Saturday morning. It's a stomach bug. I don't feel so well. Which do you do? Oh, I absolutely, absolutely call in sick for you sure. I have, yeah. I have no qualms about this. I don't think that that's unethical, actually. Okay. Just... Well, neither do I. You play that sick card. It's only good every you know three years or so, but it's right. always an excellent go-to. So nicely done. So Thank now you. I think you're up to seven, right? <gasps> okay. Great. I'm keeping score on my fingers, and so I, I may have <laughs> lost track. Okay, so you're at seven. Remember, we want to get to nine. Here we go. Scenario number four. Mm -hmm. Are you having fun with this? I am. This is excellent. Okay, that's important. Your dad shows up to your new job unannounced. He brings you flowers. He pays for lunch for the entire office. Your coworkers are so impressed you have such a wonderful boyfriend. That's right. They think he's your boyfriend because he's charming and handsome and fit like a 24-year-old triathlete. That sounds like your dad, right? <laughs> the whole office is in love with your boyfriend, not your dad. So do you tell them, oh, this is a big misunderstanding. He's really my dad, and I'm really lucky to have a father who cares so much about me. About me. Or do you give your dad a big hug, you call him honey as he leaves, and you continue the ruse because it's scoring you big-time office points? And keep in mind, this might lead to a promotion or oh, company car no. or stock options. So what do you do? Oh gosh, this is a hard one. I think- I, I like how you're taking this would, seriously. It's true. I do think I would tell them though. I think I would tell them it's it's my dad because what if I then got a boyfriend? That would be awkward. That would be awkward. But what if they didn't like that boyfriend as much as the fake boyfriend slash dad? Mm -hmm. And then they might end up liking me less than if I went along with it in the first place. I like how your brain works. The correct answer is yes. You tell them he's your dad, your boyfriend. That's gross. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's <laughs> weird. So you have gone from seven to 10 points. So you're the winner, but we still have to do scenario number five. So you could end Lose. up getting eight points. So here we go. Okay. The final scenario. 
It's your first casual Friday at work. What do you wear? A nice top with dress-up jeans and closed-toed sandals? Or a Guns N' Roses tank, your hair in a side pony, and sweatpants that have Juicy printed across the back? (laughs) Which do you wear? Oh, this is so excellent. I feel like there's definitely a right answer. And I want to be an emerging adult so bad. But Mark, my fashion, my fa- I would wear the jeans. I would wear the jeans. I wouldn't wear, I would, okay, hold on. No, I'm changing it up. I'd wear the jeans with the Guns N' Roses t-shirt. I would mix and match. You'd mix and match. Let me ask the judges if that's possible. Can she do that? They accept, they accept. 13 points. Guns N' Roses, of course. You work hard, you play hard, and you want people yeah, to know that. Absolutely. Yeah. Kennedy, I think you're ready to be a woman. I think so too, you know, I do. <laughs> Congratulations. And thank, thank you, you so much for coming on Podfulness. It was so much fun to talk to you and hear about so your life. Fun. It was so fun. It was so great to see you. If you want more of Kennedy in your life, you can follow her on Instagram. That's at Kennedy Blair Miller. Kennedy and Miller are spelled exactly how you think they would be spelled. And Blair is B-L-A-I-R. Kennedy Blair Miller. She's exceptional. She is an exceptional person. And I hope I see a lot more of her in years to come on newspapers and television news stories and YouTube videos and everything. So the world needs more Kennedy. Thank you very much for listening to Podfulness. I appreciate you coming along for the ride. I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Again, my name is Mark Bernstein and you have been listening to Podfulness. Podfulness.